Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. I am here with Ronnie Stevens, and we're. I met Ronnie, a little bit about Ronnie. Uh, I met Ronnie, he's been following the podcast for a while now. You come from a Kempo background, right? Yes, sir. Okay. He was from a Kempo background, but um, I thought it was interesting because he's like, he's into jiu-jitsu, and you did some MMA too, you were saying, right? Yeah, I had my what? last fight in, in a ring in 2005. Yeah, and he did some MMA. So, then he's following Kaju Kempo, and I thought he was a Kaju Kempo guy because he's like, he's talking about how he he loves Kaju Kempo, but he's actually not a Kaju Kempo guy, but a big fan of Kaju Kempo. Um, and I always tell people, this is not the Kaju Kimmel podcast. It's just, it just happens to be the style that I do. And I am supposed to be interviewing people from, from different backgrounds. <laughs> it's just Kaju Kimmel guys have been just flooding my feed to interview them. So it's been like a long run of a lot of Kaju Kimmel stuff. So for you Kaju Kimmel guys listening, I appreciate you supporting the show. And uh, Ronnie is a big fan of Kaju Kimmel, if that, if that helps you stick around. But what I thought was cool was, was the background of um, how he mixed things up. So today we're going to talk about Ronnie's martial arts journey. So, Ronnie, where are you coming out of again? Uh, Central Arkansas, right smack dab in the middle of Arkansas, Conway, Arkansas. Cool, cool. And how did you get into martial arts? So, in the mid-80s, because I'm about 137,000 years old, <laughs> I, uh, of course, we all watched Karate Kid. And, you know, coming from the 70s and Kung Fu craze, and, and then the first couple of years of the 80s with with the ninja craze, you know, 82, 83. In 1984, Karate Kid came out, and that kind of single-handedly restored the the dignity of the sensei-student relationship. And so tons of us got into the martial arts after that, and that's exactly what we were looking for. And I went to the only place in town and started training, and, and I've, I've not stopped. I've, I've been doing it ever since. How old were you when that happened? 12. So you were about 12. to turn 13. No, 12, 12, yeah. And you walked into, you said you went to the first place in town. What, what, what place was that? It was uh, Newport Taekwondo Academy back in Newport, Arkansas in, in the mid-80s. So. And one thing I want to say that, uh, you know, because if someone's listening to this so far and there's like an MMA person listening to this, uh, recently, um, two things. I was listening to the guy from McDojo Life who created the McDojo Life YouTube page. So this is the guy who created McDojo Life and he calls out McDojo's. And he made a video about, it was about, what's that guy? What's that, what's that asshole's name? Something Tate? Something Tate. Uh, hold on a second. I was going to remember. Andrew Tate. I had to look him up because that's how much I care about it. Um, so Andrew Tate went off about how calling McDojo's anybody who does traditional martial arts. And McDojo Life made a video calling out Andrew Tate saying that when he created McDojo Life, it wasn't to call out traditional martial arts. And he started listing off people that come from traditional martial arts backgrounds that later moved on to become MMA champions. Conor McGregor, right? He came from a Taekwondo background as a kid. A lot of people do traditional martial arts as kids and then later get into MMA. And McDojo Life came out and said, hey, this whole term of McDojo or and even Bushido this isn't to call out traditional martial arts. This is to call out people who are doing complete no-touch 
<laughs> those really crazy. I was videos. about to say that. Uh, exact there's another same touch thing. shit. There's also the guy. There's a new guy. There's like a guy from the Middle East who who does his gun stuff like like he's John Wick or something. He takes the gun, flips the gun. And I have a whole video that I made about, well, this shit works for the internet because people hate it. He gets 2 million views and he still gets a lot of subscribers. So who we, their intent is, we, that's a whole other topic that this episode's yeah. not about. But I do want to mention that because lately I've been having people jump on my show. I had someone jump on my show and fucking say that Hackleman, uh, that, that Kaji Kimball equals McDojo on a, on a John Hackleman video who's Chuck Liddell's coach. And I'm just sitting there rubbing my temples like, oh man, you obviously don't know what's going on. So like, I want to throw that out there. To anyone listening, as we continue in your martial arts journey, about how you started in Taekwondo, um, and you can chew on that now. <laughs> so, so you started off in Taekwondo. Uh, how long? Um, how did that work? You, you had no. How? What were you? You're a kid. You go into a Taekwondo class. What were your thoughts? I mean, you know, you go in, you go in dry and fresh. So that's what you know. And to you, that is the martial arts. And as far as you're concerned, this is what everyone does until you find someone that doesn't. And for me, I think that happened when I saw the movie Perfect Weapon. And I was like, whoa, I have to find that stuff. And so I was on it. I was leaving for college. So I was moving to a different city. I didn't know anything about it. And of course, I'm leaving my, my home academy. And I'd done some Taekwondo there, a little bit of kickboxing there. And that's all I knew until I, you know, and so I was like, I've got to find this stuff. And it was nowhere. This is the Gobi Desert back in the early 90s for martial arts. There was, there was nothing here unless I would have traveled to, you know, like Little Rock or some of the bigger cities or something like that. So I just kind of bided my time. And oddly enough, I was driving, not even thinking about it. Um, I've watched that movie several times. I owned it. I'm like, I bought it on videotape. And, you know, we, we love that movie. And I just had to look to my left as I was driving. And I looked in this, it was a trucking building that had rented out their shop part that they weren't using to a martial arts dojo. There was these guys in black geese moving like that movie. And I, you know, I, I kind of parked across the street and I watched and I was like, I think that's that stuff. So I literally, I left him a note. I wrote him a note. I begged my way into this class because he wasn't taking students. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I thought I'd done something wrong. Exactly. And he wasn't taking students. And so I begged this guy to uh, let me into his class. And that's how that all got started. And I just, I literally fell in love. Yeah, so, yeah, just to show people what Perfect Weapon was, and just to kind of catch people up real quick, too. Perfect Weapon was about a Kempo, a Kempo guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it was, about a, it was specifically about a Kempo guy. Yeah, it was literally choreographed by Ed Parker. Yeah, choreographed by Ed Parker, yeah. 19, 1991. <laughs> yeah. just... and, and he didn't start off, uh, Jeff Speakman, he didn't start off in Kempo either. He started off in Japanese Goju under Peter Urban, I think. He's one of Peter Urban's guys. So you went from Taekwondo to Kempo. Ed Parker Kempo, to be very specific. Well, tra the Tracy system. The Tracy system, which is a... I didn't a, know the difference at the time. It was... Okay. Yeah. And, but it's all... It's it's coming from the Ed Parker people, right? Like the... Yeah. It, okay. Yes. It's it's then, like probably the third iteration of what he put out, is okay. how I would refer to it. 
All right, so it's coming from from, from the Ed Parker. And there's a lot of I, I, off off the cuff, off the cuff here. Hold on a second. All right, so here I found it. Um, so for anyone listening at this point, uh, and they want to know, they might they're saying nay, Kempo boo. Um, here's some guys that come from a Kempo background. Now, I I do got to clarify. Actually, uh, Chuck Liddell from Hawaiian Kempo. It's different from the kind of Kempo that you're mentioning because that comes from. Uh, from the, and I'm not going to jump into a bunch of history because this, this is not about the history. This is a, this is about Ronnie, but because um, <laughs> if we go to the history, that's a total different podcast about how the American Kempo, Kaja Kempo connection, how that happened. I don't want to go there right now, but I can say that these guys have a Kempo background. Chuck Liddell comes from Hawaiian Kempo, like I mentioned before. It's a derivation of Kaja Kempo that came from uh, John Hackleman. Frank Mir comes from a Kempo background. Uh, Anna Julatin comes from his background, Stephen Thompson, Liz Carmucci, Chris Widman. I'm probably fucking up all these guys' names and girls. Rory Markman, uh, uh, Justin Keish, Roxanne. So yeah, just a, a quick, a quick, a quick mix of martial artists utilizing Kempo. And then these guys came up and there's just a huge list of people that do it again, not to say that they're using that solely, right? Um, that's a total different podcast about how. People come from a traditional martial art and what they have to do to adapt their traditional art to MMA because that's a sport. And then I'm not going to go there about, oh, it's not a sport. It's not a real fight. I mean, if you've ever done cage fighting and you talk shit about MMA, I have just as much of a problem with you as people who do MMA that have never done any type of traditional martial art. <laughs> like, I, have this, I, have, I have problems with both of these kind of people because you're, you're coming from your own boxes here. It's not uh, yeah, they're not the same thing. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. So. So you go in there. What's the first thing you notice between Taekwondo and the Kempo that, that you're doing? What's the first thing you notice that's different? Focus. You know, we were hard school, USTF background, so it's hardcore. It's a lot like Shotokan. Matter of fact, when I did my black belt test, I had Shotokan black belt sitting on my table, my, my, my judging board, if, if that tells you the relationship there. Uh, I think his name was Bull Rogers. That was his name, Cedric Rogers. He was in Arkansas. But uh, Kempo was a little bit different, you know. The, of course, the stances are different. Uh, the, 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 the way that the body is utilized is different. The focus uh, was pure self-defense. You know, my, my instructor was uh, all business when it came to, uh, and he used to say, breaking people's bodies apart. That's what he would say. Um, so, uh, and obviously, you could tell it came from more of a Chinese background. You know, you, we've all seen Kung Fu. We know the difference between Kung Fu and karate. It's as glaring as, you know, a car and a truck. So, I mean, you, that kind of stuff sticks out. And then, of course, how it's put together, the arrangement, you know, what, you know, what do you do one-step sparring or do you do techniques or do you do kata or do you do, I mean, so just tons and tons of different, it was different, it's culture shock is what it was, and but in a good way. And then for my, for my knuckleheads listening, the sparring, what's the difference in the sparring between Taekwondo and Kempo? Uh, a lot less kicking to the face and a lot more punching to the face. <laughs> a, uh, we did, you know, a lot of foot sweeps and quick takedowns and stuff like that. A lot more uh, clinch stuff, close-in stuff. You know, my instructor is always big on learning how to fight in a bone move, that sort of thing. And... At, how old were you at this point once you found the Kempo school? 20. 20. Okay. So you found Kempo. 20, 20. years old. All right. So now you're doing Kempo. Um, 
you move your way through, you go for your black belt test. What was that like? Uh, it was July in Arkansas with no air conditioning, and it lasted four and a half hours. Now, I don't know how this is in, in the Parker system. I don't know. Uh, my instructor did both. He had black belts in both. But in the Tracy system, you learn your 30 techniques per belt. When you go for your black belt, you have to start at technique one and do everything that you've ever learned, including your new material. We did it in the air and on a partner. So at least twice. More if he wanted. So it was grueling. It's two VHS videotapes in length. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, just coincidentally, and I'm not gonna. I don't want people to do a broad stroke. I always tell people, hey, there's a whole episode about what is Kaju Kembo that takes an hour to not really get down to say what is Kaju Kembo. So, like, <laughs> but everyone's system is different. Um, how a, how one school applies it's different. I'm I'm gonna keep saying that Kaju Kembo and American Kempo are two different styles. Um, but coincidentally, for my Black belt test, I was also required to know 30 techniques. I don't know if that's some sort of magic number, but, yeah, <laughs> but, I, I, don't but I, thought, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so you get you get through your black belt, you do all your techniques, you show that you're proficient in this art. As Ramsey Dewey, uh, a good friend of mine who runs another YouTube channel, if you haven't checked it out, shout out to Ramsey Dewey, points out having a black belt in a system means that the instructor has entrusted you to that you understand this system and that you're ready to pass on this system to other people and is entrusting you with the authority to give other people the authority to pass on this system. That's really the definition of, of what it is. Uh, some people convolute, because you know, you know, with, with the way the internet works, people have convoluted this with, you're a badass. I hope you are a badass. I would hope, <laughs> I would hope that I'm after all, yeah, yeah, I would assume and hope that if you trained hard and you really took this seriously and you really thought about really testing yourself, that when you do get that black belt, you are proficient enough to defend yourself. At least put up a good fight. That's what I say. At least put up a good fight. You don't have to be the best yeah. in the world, but at least put up a good fight. If they put an MMA fighter in front of you, you put up a good fight. You might not beat them, but you put up a good fight. The person would be like, oh, you put up a good fight. You wouldn't well, you look might like you. Right out of the skull. Yeah, yeah, maybe, know, yeah, maybe. You put up, at least put up a good fight. That's what, that's what I would say. At least you put up a good fight. You'd be able to fight your way out of a paper bag. You will look useless. <laughs> we hope. But but we are going to say though that the definition of a black belt doesn't doesn't really require that. Right? It has to do with each style, each system. That's why each style and each system looks different. That's why people get mad. Like I always see these memes about jujitsu guys like to have these memes about uh, a guy sitting at a table. With, and then my kid has a black belt, and they're like a black belt in Taekwondo, and like it's a purple belt in Jiu Jitsu. Like, we're kidding, and they like kind of like scoff at the whole idea. And it's like, well, you know, these are two different systems, <laughs> completely two different systems. So, like, for anybody who doesn't do martial arts, um, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind. So, you got through your test, get your techniques, you got your black belt now. Um, what's going on with you as far as competitions? What kind of competitions? Did you do any competitions at that point? or? At that point, just, you know, your random karate tournament in the Arkansas karate circuit and then visiting other schools who, you know, owned by friends and we would free spar, but no, nothing beyond that, really. Okay. So you get your black belt and now what? So, you know, we, we got to back up just a smidge. When I was a brown belt, 
I had been learning Filipino martial arts from a buddy in town who who had opened up another school. Conway Karate was the name of the school. This is way back. This is 30 years ago. And so he was like, hey, listen, I got space in my school on these nights that I'm not doing class. I think it would be, you know, a good business decision, but also it would be good for the martial arts of the area. Why don't you start teaching on those nights? So I started teaching as a brown belt. And so I had my own students by this time. And if you're going to do the Kempo thing, that is the way to do it. Because you don't have any choice but to know everything. When you have to teach everything to everyone, people who are at different levels. So I, I kind of had a strategic advantage as far as that was concerned. So I was running a school. I've been running school since 1994. You know, and that's my, and my instructor was always real busy. He's like, listen, and I've got this stack of videotapes about nine miles high. Half of them are Kaja Kenbo because we did, you know, we had uh, Gary Forbacks. Uh, is that how you say his name? Forback? Forback? Yeah, G G Gary Forback. Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the name butcher. Anyway. Yeah, I'm the name butcher. But I have heard his name, Gary Forback. And Gary Forback, if you're listening, everybody knows Gary Forback. It's not Forback, it's Forbach or something. But I'm pretty sure it's okay. Gary Forback. I'm pretty and sure. We, we literally would, we would watch his videos standing on our mats and try and recreate what we were seeing. You know, my instructor had a policy. If you spend... 40 bucks on a videotape and you pick up one little thing that you can add to your game, it was a well-spent 40 bucks. So we had always loved Kaji Kempo. And he talked about it all the time, my instructor. Herb Baker was, is his name. And he was a big fan of Kaji Kempo. <laughs> so you're going over the techniques. You're you're working with your students. You're a brown belt. So we went, we, 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 we reversed a little bit. You went, this, you're, this is happening before your black belt test. You get your black belt and now you're teaching officially. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do from there? What, what, what did you decide to go? Well, I had also started training at the North Little Rock YMCA doing judo and jiu-jitsu. Um, the Gracie jiu-jitsu was just starting to come around. So we were learning that. I had a, a buddy who was a, a former Navy SEAL, and he learned under the Gracies out in California. And so he was teaching us a couple of times. I was literally training five, five and a half days a week. It was constant idle. I lived in a dojo for my gosh, 10 years. And we did, we did everything that you could possibly, my instructor and I, a few years after that, we went out on our own and opened up our, an official Tracy's karate school in, in Arkansas. So we had that school for several years and we were doing Kenpo three nights a week, jujitsu two nights a week and every other Saturday and Filipino martial arts every once in a while. So it was a busy, busy life. I wasn't making any money, but I was training my butt off. <laughs> so you're training now. Now you're cross-training. So you're, now you're, you're training in Kempo, FMA. You're doing jiu-jitsu as well. Um, how did you, in the middle of all this, how did you end up getting into MMA? Well, I, I got it. Uh, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach is out of Sherwood, Arkansas. Uh, I found, I, I was like, I want to do this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu stuff more. So I started going through the phone book because that's what people did, you know, back way back in the way back when. And a, it, phone, he, a phone he, what? <laughs> yeah. It's a book about this big, you know, uh, and he had just gotten his brown belt down in Brazil. So I was like, I guess I'm going to have to go here. So I started training under him. And when we closed down our full-time Kenpo school, I found space in a cheerleading school that had extra mat space. So I rented out some of that, and every penny I made either went to rent or to private lessons in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I'm still teaching Kenpo, doing all of that, 
doing, I had started up some boxing. We're doing a lot of that. And now I'm training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at a Nobunyal school in my own, you know, I'm a white belt teaching Brazilian jiu-jitsu again. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just never really quit finding new things and finding ways to learn them and finding people to teach me. And what made you decide to step into the cage? So I had been a police officer for a few years. By the time I decided to do that, I'd been competing in, in jiu-jitsu tournaments. I dropped a bunch of weights. I, I was down to 174 pounds, um, feeling good. I was in really good shape. And I was like, I think I want to do it at least once amateur, you know, something like that. And so it, one thing led to another. And I ended up, uh, I ended up having, you know, the occasion to get into the cage and loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's the, you know, you, you see those guys in the cage and you're like, you're either A, those guys are insane or B, I can't do this. And I just, I just was, I wanted to know if I could do it. I did. I just wanted to know if I could, can I put my money where my mouth is? Can I sublimate my ego, get in there, get the shit kicked out of me if, if need be, and, you know, come out on the other side? And I did. And I, and I loved it. It was great. And, and right after that, I opened up an MMA school. <laughs> I know this will surprise you at this point, but yeah. <laughs> we opened up a full MMA gym. See, it's you know, people talk about a martial arts enthusiast, right? <laughs> you're definitely, I think, you, I think you definitely fall under the the definition of a martial arts enthusiast, right? You'd find something, More like an addict. You, you, <laughs> you dive into it and you start doing it, and then you jump somewhere else and start doing it, and and go into another, and keep, and then you open up another school. So you open up your MMA school now, right? You did some, which is cool, right? Like I had, um. There was a controversy, not a controversy, but there was a guest that said that if you're going to run an MMA program, you should do MMA. Um, I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole other episode I want to do just to explore that question uh, or that, that advice, that statement. But you did do MMA. You, had enjoy you actually just mentioned now, it's funny, we got this far without you mentioning the fact that you had a background in law, that you were in law enforcement the whole time, right? So, so you're in law enforcement as well. And, um, and now you open up an MMA school. So how how did that work? How how was how was that? Um, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. You know, I had two partners, both of which are like brothers to me and are amazing human beings, and we complemented each other on our coaching style. Um, one of them has actually gone on to open up his own school as a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and the other guy refuses to wear a gi. He wouldn't wear a gi if money was involved, and and, and it was, but he still wouldn't do it. But uh, you know, we we were putting kids in the ring and amateur shows and professional shows, and they were doing really well. Uh, it, we just we had a really good time. You know, and I learned, and I had my I cut my coaching chops under my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu coach, who was also an MMA coach. Uh, his name is Danny Dring, and he's an amazing human being. And he taught me so much. But that's a different kind of teaching. You know, that's like when I'm teaching you Kempo, someone may come along someday and try to punch you in the face. Let me tell you something. When I'm fixing to put you in the ring, that dude's going to try to pound you into nothingness, and I have to keep you alive in there. <laughs> so it's it is not unlike training rookies in law enforcement. <laughs> it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. But you know, and of course, between I don't know, I would say '04 and 2010, that was the power curve when MMA was still it was established, but it was still very new. And so that's a it's the ground floor. 
but there's a foundation that was laid by the Brazilians. And so people were just eating it up. And we had we had more students than we knew what to do with. We really did. And so right now you mentioned it, and that was a question I was going to ask you next, because there was a point there in MMA history, depending on how long you've been doing this, where if you told someone you were doing MMA, you, you were practically telling them you were doing something illegal. And you're in law enforcement, so like, yeah. how, how, how was that? Like, how were you like, did the other officers know you were doing MMA? Were they cool with yep. it, or, or, or were, they, were yeah. they like? They knew me more as a jiu-jitsu guy, judo and jiu-jitsu. Because that was my background, so my interpretation of MMA, I I will hit you and punch you and kick you until I can grab you. And then I'm going to do what I need to do. And, you know, I, I fought so many people a week at work. I missed a street cop for 20 years. So many people went to sleep painlessly and woke up in handcuffs. Never had, never had to hit anybody. Never had to throw a punch. Ever. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it's always good no, to throw it allegedly. It's always no, 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 for your, I never for, had to do sports complaints. For, no, 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 I'm saying like I played smart ass complaints or root complaints. No, no use to, of force. To to, to to help you legally on, on the internet, I'm gonna say you allegedly put people to sleep and they woke up in handcuffs. Allegedly. Oh, this was Everyone. The rules. <laughs> <laughs> there are no rules like that. Man. Allegedly. <laughs> So, this is more. This is, more this is more. Yeah, this is more. Of a, this is more of a legal statement than it's anything else. Yeah. yeah no, so, so yeah. So you're you're putting it together. You're you're applying it. It sounds like in a lot of different ways. And um, and you have your school. Everything's going good. And this is probably so. At this point in history, as far as the public acceptance of MMA, it sounds like this is a little after UFC one. And that whole controversy, because even after UFC one, there was controversy. Like the government was legislating yeah, that some of the committees were like no, some yeah. yes, and that kind of thing. What was going on? Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. I hate talking about so, politics, but what was going on politically? I guess at that time. Well, yeah. This is if if not for rec martial arts news groups and uh, I can't remember the name of the website. We all went to the same jujitsu website or MMA MMA TV. That's what it was. If not for that, it, the, the UFC probably would have died. That and the internet, because uh, because uh, the, the, the Senator John John McCain was trying to shut it down, called it human cockfighting, and then nobody would then nobody would sanction it, you know. And, and you know, everybody wanted to die. we need a ruling, but that's where the rules came from. That's that's what it it changed the game, but it made it I guess palatable, you know. It made it mainstream, and then it man when that ball started rolling down the hill. It never stopped, and so that's that's kind of how it went. We we just kept growing, it kept kept churning right along. And I was still training with my instructor. I still had some private Kenpo students. I was still training with my judo coaches. I never stopped doing any of that. I was learning. I've I, I've done some Aiki Jiu Jitsu, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, so like again, sounds like yeah, there was there was some issues. Got through it. Kept doing it. And you kept training, which I think is one of the most important parts. If you are going to do martial arts, just have fun. I mean, it's, it's fun to do. It's a fun. Absolutely. It's a fun. I, it's a weird thing. Cause it's not a hobby. If you really love it, it's not a hobby. It's yeah. not a, it's a, it can be a sport, but there's always a point where it's not a sport because you can't, you can't uh, pursue it. As you get older, there's going to be certain, like, certain parts of it you won't be able to do anymore. Um, for example, I'm 41. So, like, now. 
I'm retired from MMA and I'm looking more at, at jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu looks mm-hmm. like the safest, safest way to compete with a low probability of injury. There's the injury, but there's a lower probability of injury than MMA. So I'll see how long that runs. But again, the, even if I'm not going to be competing, I'm always training. So it sounds like the same for you. Like, even mm-hmm. if you're not going to be competing, you're going to keep training because it's something that you do for the, your whole life. And you should yeah, continue I'm, I'm, to try new stuff. 49 so. now. So, yeah. yeah. 49. I'm going to turn 50 this year. Uh, teaching my son. My, my daughters didn't really take to it. They didn't want to do that. But <laughs> my son, he's 12. And I've got a small club at my church, actually. You know, that I'm using the same mats from the late 90s. I've still got them. Tiffin mats. They're great mats. So, yeah, but you're right. You know, I just do a lot of judo and jiu-jitsu. We don't do any headbanging there. It would, you know, I'm not trying to find a bunch of meat eaters and throw them at each other. I'm I'm teaching soccer moms and youth ministers how to not get hurt. Because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> and it's not the, it's, it's not the, it's not the year model so much as mileage. You know how, you know about that. We banged around in our 20s and 30s like a bunch of idiots. And now we're feeling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, in my, like, if I look back, I really should have let it go when I was 35. <laughs> I, really, I really should have let it go. I had, I had a great run in my 20s. And then at 35, I, I, I was like, I want to go out. I, I got to Japan when I was 30. And my wife said, when we got to Japan, you're done, right? Like, you're an English teacher now and you're finished. This is. You did it. <laughs> you, did, you did it. You got you got your your trophies or whatever. They're not even real gold. They're not, they, they, they're gold. They, 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 they paint <laughs> they paint over it gold, right? They paint over it gold yeah. or whatever. Or you got your little name on a plaque. You're happy, right? You're good. Like we can. You keep teaching. You're gonna focus on work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I lied. Um, so I got there. <laughs> As we are well, you know, I, I tried. I, when I, I kept teaching, and then I was at this program, at this MMA program, in uh, near my work, and I, I said, I'm just gonna go here to train. And my wife said, Yeah, just keep trying to have fun. And like as I'm training, I'm uh, I'm I'm giving the competition team a run for their money, and they're like, You should join our competition team. And I'm like, No, no, I don't want to. I'm retired. Like, what do you mean you're retired? You're only, they're like, you're only, how old is that when I said that? I was 32, 33. I was 33. I'm like, I'm retired. Like, oh, come on. What do, you, what do you mean? You're 33. You can, you, you still have, you still got something left in you. I'm like, no. Nah. I'm like, well, at least coach, can you at least coach the kickboxing team? I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll coach the kickboxing team. And then like, and then finally they're like, come on, just one match, one more match. And I went in there and lost my first fight by decision. And I was so pissed. I don't know what that's like. I was so pissed. <laughs> Cause like I was like fuck like I just got done when I was younger I got done on a win on a win it wasn't a first place I got second place I was like I mean, uh it was uh it was an it was an open tournament MMA and I got second place and I'm like all right I'm good I'm good I didn't get first I kind of got robbed on a decision again no the last one was a really weird one it was me <laughs> this is funny I think I've said this was, for those of you who heard the story before sorry but it's a funny story so right before I go to Japan I'm like one more run. I was 20, I was 30, I was 30, whatever before I go, and me and my, my partner, shout out to uh, my mentor, Sifu Mike, another Kajikembo instructor, I don't know, he might not be Sifu anymore, maybe he had a title, either way, so we're getting ready for, they have this tournament in our town, and in the town, when I was 30, all these Taekwondo schools and 
uh, karate schools have changed their name to MMA. We're MMA now. These are the same guys who always complain that we're going too hard, uh, that the Kajakembo guys are, are overkill and giving us warnings during continuous sparring. And we wanted to do more. And they're like, no, we only do continuous sparring for the tournaments, which is kind of like kickboxing. So these guys say we're going to – they all changed their name to MMA, and now they have MMA divisions in their tournament. I'm like, oh, this I got to see. <laughs> like, I can't just I can't just leave these guys. I, I got to fight these guys before I go. So, like, me, 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 me and my mentor are like, yeah, we're going to go. We're going. My mentor was like, I don't think – because my mentor is older, too. He's like, ah, I'm just going to – he's getting ready to be done, too. He's, he's older than me. He's like 37 at that point. Like, I think I'm going to be done pretty soon. Like, and, he, and he's like, I never, you know, I, really, I kind of want to try. We've, we've, already, we've all practiced MMA training modalities, but um, in his case, he hadn't done an official MMA tournament. I had, but he, he hadn't. He wanted to try. He's like, let's try it. It's like, all right, let's go. So we get in there, and me and him train. And he's, he, so we, we decide, if I bulk up, we're in the same weight class at that point in time. So if I bulk up, I'll be a heavyweight. So it will be about 190, like a light heavy, 190, 195. So I tell him, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trim down. I'm going to shoot down to middleweight. And at that time, he was 215. So I'm like, all right, um, you go down to light heavy. I'll go down to middleweight. So, so I, I, I went from like 190. No, I was, I was blocking around big because I wanted to spar him. He was my sparring partner, and he's like 215, 230. So I bulked up to like 205, 210. Just to, just to, used to be? I know. <laughs> it was fun, too. You just like. Go to every buffet you want and just eat as much as you can and lift. Yeah, my last fight was at 160. <laughs> <laughs> just lift as much as you can. That was that was fun. Yes. Bulking up is fun as hell. So, like, but you, you know, just like, wasted on me. <laughs> so I got trimmed down to 185. He trims down to 190. So we hit the weight classes, right? And we get and we're training like every weekend. I'm training with the Brazilian Gracie Baja, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy at the university, telling him I got a fight coming up. And tra- cross training, we're getting ready for this fight. For this tournament, I don't know who's going to be there. It's an open tournament. It's going to be a Grand Prix. We don't know who we're going to fight, how many people. We don't care. So we go in there, and there's a bunch of guys, and they're all hitting the pads. And we're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of guys here. And some of the guys are like, before the tournament, they're like rolling and doing jujitsu before the match. We're like, wow, this is crazy. Like, it's an open martial arts tournament that we've been to, like the karate type. But these guys are doing MMA, right? You've got the guys rolling, and you got the guys over there, and they're like doing like MMA. They look, they look like our training model. It's great. It's going to be awesome. And so me and my partner, we start holding the pads and hitting the and hold the pads from like pow, 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 and we're like go at it. And the number of guys practicing starts to dwindle. And we're like, we're, what's going on? Oh, maybe the tournament's starting. Tournament's starting, they have their kids division. They ask us to judge. We're judging, and in between that, doing our pad work to stay warmed up for the for the black belt. Oh no, it was an open division, MMA division at the very end. So the tournament wraps up. There's a lot of people there, and a lot of people warming up in the corner, and all of a sudden. Finally, the MMA division begins, quote unquote, begins. And I tell you, like when we started, there was like 12 guys warming up to do MMA. When we get there, there's only two guys left. I'm like, where is, every- where is everyone? <laughs> there's two guys here. There's two guys left. All right, well, I guess there's two guys left. Let's go. And the two guys were like, all right, so. We go, we go into the, we go to the area where the MMA guys are supposed to report, and the two guys start taking off their pads. We're like, well, where are you going? We're like, oh, well, we're not gonna do it. Like, what do you mean? You're not gonna do it? Like, what are you guys talking about? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm only one. I, what do you say? He's, like, I'm 175, so I'm not really in your weight class because you're 185. 
And I'm like, it's only 10 pounds. <laughs> it's like, it's only 10 pounds. I mean, if it really bothers you that much, I mean, we can go light if you want. That was, that was my response because I wanted to get it going. We can go light if you want. And no, 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 we're good. And then my poor mentor, right? He's at 195 and he's six something. The, the other guy was like, uh-uh. <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm not fighting you. So we turned around looking at each other like, damn. Like, that was like a lot of training for nothing. And we look at each other like, you want to fight? We'll fight each other. So, so we fought each other for first. <laughs> but we don't count it because it was, you know, it's just, it were friends. So we weren't, yeah, trying, yeah. We, were, we weren't trying to like knock each other out or anything. We were just, we were just messing around. And um, so that's why I don't count. I, I, I don't know if he counts it. He, uh, he, he, he won by decision. And um, at one point he almost choked me out. But they were making us wear the stupid karate helmets, and so yeah. the, the helmet got caught, and he thought he still had me, and I slipped out, and he's sitting there grabbing onto the helmet. I I, I look at him like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so, like, either way, um, it was a fun fight. We had a good time, but that's why I don't count it as my last MMA fight. So yeah, fast forward. That's why I ended up getting back to full contact. I should have retired, and I didn't. Um, I did eventually come back and crawl out of it, but the mileage, man, just full contact. Even if, like, even the Take one, I, yeah, just taking block, blocking full contact hits. The training that it, most of my injuries came in training. Like that's that's what absolutely, most yeah, like. yeah. Very very rarely got hurt in a tournament or in the ring. Very very rarely. Just only maybe my neck. That's probably the worst I ever got uh, a neck crank. Oh, okay. And I I couldn't drive home. I had to have my buddy drive me home. It hurt the, so bad. I think the worst injury I ever got, uh, full well, two. I got two full contact injuries. Not even full contact. One was uh, yeah, one was full contact. The uh, I won the fight, and somewhere along the line, I one of the leg checks, one of the low roundhouse kick leg checks in a kickboxing tournament. Um, it really busted up my shin. I couldn't barely walk for like two weeks. And then I tore my LCL in my last match. That was supposed to be the MMA match. And I've talked about this before. It was supposed to be an MMA match. Uh, the guy I was supposed to fight couldn't make weight. So last minute they they called me and said, hey, if you want, you can still do a cat wrestling match, which is uh, pretty much no-gi jiu-jitsu rules, kind of. Yeah. Um, and that's the one that you see in the intro of this show. It's that, That's okay. my last okay. one. And I did it. And um, he uh, on the last round, we went into overtime for the third round. I, he, I won the first round. It was indecisive for the second. So we went for a third overtime round. Um, and I was keeping him on his back and I mounted. And he he hooked both my legs and started doing like the splits to try to get me off him. And I didn't unhook my leg and he ended up tearing my LCL. So I, and I, can, I, can, I can hear a pop. And I'm like, all right, there's only like, I know I messed up my knee, but I got like 10. If I can hold him down here for 15 more seconds, I won this. So, so, I, so I did. That was it. But that was it. That yeah, was it. Jumping off ain't going to unhurt it. Yeah, it's not going to unhurt it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was a win. I mean, as long as they don't stand me up right now, like, <laughs> good. So like, that is, that's that competitive mindset. That's <laughs> a lot of the traditional styles don't ever tap into that. And that's sad. You know, and that's so that's that's part of my journey. That's I came, I went, I went full circle, you know, and now I'm right back where I started. But you should really spend time looking into that part of yourself, yeah. And I think that that comes out in competition, that comes yes, out. absolutely. And, 
and that's why like and like that's why I like I hate competition. I really do. I really do hate. I've never been a competitive person because I've never looked at this sport. But as my instructor did ask me for my first, because I, I got all the way to black belt. I, I love banging. I love training. I love full contact sparring. I would do full contact sparring. The same guys that are in the competition team, I would train with them. I just wouldn't compete because I'm like, I have a, uh, that's not my goal. Like my, my goal isn't yeah. to become a champion of the world. My goal is to just provide for my family. And I know that professional fighting is not the way to provide for my family. I mean, hey, big kudos to you if you're pulling it off. Congratulations. You are the best of the best. But um, just I studied psychology and statistics. And statistically speaking, the numbers do not look good. <laughs> they do not look good. Well, professional no, fighting does I mean, not look good. It, it, well, I mean, you look at places like the NFL. I'm not saying they're the same. But you look at places like the NFL. Unless you retire three or four years in after four lucky seasons, I mean, you know, guys like uh, they 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 can't walk right. Their knees are messed up. Their backs are hurt. You know, they spent they you know they 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 run like this on TV and they bang into each other and then they go home and ten years after they're retired, it, it's hard to move. You know, I mean, uh, I, I I get it. I get it. You know. But, yeah, the the numbers just yeah. And you're talking about the NFL, which pays a lot better. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not gonna be like, no, it's a lot better right so just looking at the and this is something that i and now we're really diverting from our i think i like it though because we wrapped up we kind of wrapped up your martial arts journey why not throw an extra layer of topics on this so absolutely so the thing about sports i want to say sports in general because i'm reading it's funny as i got older now i do triathlons mm-hmm. and um because they're fun and I don't have to win them. I just do them. They're like duathlons, as one of my middle-aged friends likes to call them. They're duathlons. <laughs> I'm, not try- I'm not trying. I'm just doing. So, like, yeah. um, But it's interesting when you look at professional sports and athletes and what the sport asks of you career-wise is very different from any other career path or choice. So any other career path or choice anything whether it be law enforcement or psychology or teaching or engineering will ask you to gain experience at a young age and as you get older and gain more experience you'll make a little more money to 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 secure a nest egg to eventually as you get older you'll make more and more and more and more until you're finally done you got a cap and then you can retire and you saved up this money and you've also put some money into a pension so that you have money to retire with Athletic sports expect you to, in the very beginning, with very whatever experience you can get, become the best, get the best, make the most money here, and then expect you to use that money to take care of yourself for the rest of your life. And I see this, like I see this on my show. I've I've interviewed surfers, um, uh, ex-football players, and they're all saying the same thing. Like, well, how am I supposed to take care of my family and myself after this? Yeah. It doesn't pay a lot. Coaching doesn't pay a lot. Like, if you talk about coaching, you just talked about you can coach MMA. That doesn't pay a lot. Running a school doesn't pay a lot. I mean, you can do it, but now you're yeah, talking about like, say, there ain't no money in karate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, there ain't you no can money do it. Karate. You can do it. I'm sure there. I'm okay. I'm not. I'm sure people listening to this. I do have people who are making money. That's great. That is awesome. But. 
the, that's more of like the exception, not the norm. Yeah. Like that's it, what I was about to say. It's the it, exception. Yeah. Like, statistically speaking, I would say out of, I've done like over a hundred interviews and out of the over a hundred people that I've interviewed, maybe five, maybe five were okay. And with one being okay, but even then every single one of them had a, some sort of support system. Like even Hackleman mm-hmm. talks about, he was a nurse for a very long time. So he, mm-hmm. he made his money from being a nurse. And then later he transitioned into full-time martial arts, but not, which is so weird to me that John Hackleman was a nurse. I, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like getting your teeth cleaned by, uh, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> that dude is so dangerous. And he's a nurse. <laughs> don't fucking call the nurse. Leave him alone. Yeah, so John Hackleman, man. Yeah, so like, so that, that's his background, right? So like, a lot of people, they only see the glory. They only see the person at the top. And they want to emulate that person, not realizing like a lot of work, a lot of hard work, a lot of, I don't want to say luck, but a part of it is kind of luck. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. It's not only luck in in the way you're talking about it, but if you're running your own school, you're literally one catastrophic injury away from destitution and homelessness. Yeah. I mean, that's where you're at. COVID. I don't know how many people I know during COVID just lost their gyms, lost everything. And they were running successful programs. They were doing great. And they just, it's all gone. Poof, just like that. Mine went into my driveway. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, like, what do you do? So, like, that's why, I guess, what what I'm trying to get at is that's why it's hard to say that, like, I love martial arts. I keep training in martial arts. But still, I have my, my main job that I do and that's, yeah. that's that's the main thing but like you said it takes a toll on you this goes back to what you were saying how do we end up on this tangent it takes a toll on you not just physically it takes a toll on you financially this training is not free like here's a fun question how much money do you think you spent doing private brazilian jiu jitsu lessons oh shit uh, <laughs> i mean well every okay let me just put it this way i was a police officer i lived on those wages Every penny, every penny I was ever paid to teach jujitsu, I paid to learn jujitsu. Every penny. I tell my wife I don't like to think about it. Oh, all of it. That's that's the answer. All of it. I tell her I don't like. Just like, how much money do you think you spend? Oh, I don't. I don't I don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about it. I can tell you it's so far, right now, and I'm only a. Um, I'm going to be a brown belt soon, but I'm still a purple belt. Three-stripe purple belt. It's costed me uh, uh, about five grand so far, right? And I'm not even a brown belt yet. So yeah, like... I was taking private for years. And then I would save up extra and like, I know Tio Tavares, he's going to be in town. I'm going to book a couple of privates with that guy. Andre Pedernares, I'm going to... Book a couple of private, you know, but just, hey, so-and-so's, Tony Emanuel's coming in. This guy's coming in. I guess, well, shit. <laughs> Let me get another mortgage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. If you're doing this for the money, and I told some of my students, if you're doing this for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So. Yeah, it's it's a thing that I do right now for, for quality of my life. And I have noticed in my life that the closer I have stayed on the path for the martial arts, the better quality of life I've had as a human being. 
It literally brings out the best in me in just about every way that you can imagine. Yeah, uh, that's why I say like training for yourself. You do it for you, and and what you get out of it is priceless. I will say that I don't regret one penny that I spent on on self improvement because that's that's one thing. I think, but I think it's a different thing for those people that come in. I want to do MMA. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite question from someone. Come, uh, uh, the statement. I want to do MMA. I want to be in the UFC. I'm like, all right, but I, I, I never. I don't like to burst people's bubbles, so that's not a speech. I that's not. I don't. I don't like to open with that. I'm like, okay, if that's motivating you, then let's 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 follow that. But sooner or later, we do have to have a realistic conversation about what your goals are in life. Because hey, what's, what's the line on Jack Reacher? Remember, you wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't take back <laughs> Exactly. That, that's, and that's the whole thing. Like, I always tell these guys, we always go through it. I see how they're doing. Because I hate to discourage, especially if, you, if that's what you really want to do. You're going to need all the fire. You're going to need all yeah. the fire and determination you can get to it's get past that first pass. every aspect of your existence. You have to hone, put through a crucible, and it all has to have a purpose. Every every piece of food you put in your mouth, you know, you don't go rock climbing on the weekends because that could mess you up for three weeks or four weeks of training or God knows what else. It's every, literally every aspect. You know, it's Mike Tyson's hands were insured for $20 million a piece. And I totally get it. <laughs> you know, it's every aspect of your life. Yeah, every it's every single part of your life. And that's, and it needs to be. So, I, but there's always a point where I have to have that conversation with my fighters where I go, hey, now what are you going to do? You You had your first cage fight. What'd you think? What do you want to do now? And then some of the guys come back and they're like, this is it. That was, I, that, I love it. This is what I want to do for my life. Okay. And if this is what you want to do from that point is when I take a step back. Cause I, I, I also recognize my own limits. I don't, I tell us, yeah. I, I said this before on my show. I'm not, I'm not a UFC coach. I have my, I have friends who are UFC coaches. That's when I pass them on. Like, Hey, okay. Then here's a school right here. They have, they're, they're training people for UFC and you can go there and you can continue your journey. And then if you want to come back here, I'll be here. But but the the point is, and then that, that's what I normally do. Now, some guys have that first fight. I had one guy had his first fight, and he was like, and and he didn't lose badly. Oh, yeah. He didn't get the shit beat out of him because he was a wrestler. He was a strong wrestler. But he yeah. was shocked to find out that even though he was a very strong wrestler, um, he just couldn't keep up with the grappling element. The the Brazilian it was because the guys that are fighting have a background in catch wrestling and and I want to say well, submission wrestling. That's what I really want to yeah. call it. I, I, I hate to even say Brazilian jiu jitsu because some of these guys out here in Japan aren't Brazilian jiu jitsu. They're coming. Yeah, they're from, sub wrestling guys, but that's yeah, that's, they're, that's fine. They're, yeah. they're, they're submission wrestling guys, and so like he couldn't keep up with that element. Like there, it was a different type of movement. And he ended up losing. The guy put him on the ground, and he ended up losing position. And he lost by decision because he couldn't keep a good position. And I can tell it disheartened him. And he was a university student, and he was just like, "Yeah, I think I'm just gonna focus on my studies." And I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> and I asked, yeah. "What do you think? What, what do you think? Did you have fun?" He's like, "It was fun, but I'm gonna focus on my studies." I'm like, "All right, well, you know, we're here if you want to come back." But again, like, that's what I think is the most important thing. For for anyone who comes in saying I want to do MMA, there's like two different episodes. Why do you want to do MMA in, in your life? Oh, well. 
<laughs> well, Ronnie, we're almost done here. Um, last question. Last question. Let's do a pop cultural question. Okay. If in a fight between between okay, I'm trying to think of two fictional characters here. Okay. I think I got them. I think I got them. John Wick versus Jason Bourne. Who wins? Hmm. Well, you see, John Wick is a man of singular will. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, if you watch the Bourne series, there's that chemical that they take that kind of enhances them a little bit, gives them the headaches, you know? I think that's probably going to be the edge. You know, it's... I think probably Jason Bourne because he's altered. He's enhanced. He's on the juice. <laughs> he's on the juice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jason Bourne, who's on the juice. All right, well, Ronnie, thank you so much for coming out, telling us your martial arts journey, and then going on hey, this, this, this martial arts MMA tangent that we did at the end there. For my listeners, thank you for checking out Social Jello with Angelo Podcast. I try to release at least one of these a month, and then lately I, I'm just behind in production. I'm just pumping them out as fast as I can to keep up with everything, so I appreciate your patience. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at thesocialjello.com, or you can just jump on YouTube the way Ronnie did and starts talking to me. Like You can do that, too. I'll talk to you right on YouTube and give my email, too. So, yeah, if you have any questions about the show, if you have any guests that you'd like to see interviewed, Hit me up. I'm more than happy to interview anyone. Social Journal with Angelo, a podcast about psychology. Believe it or not, psychology. I, I do have it in there. And martial arts. Catch you all next time.